When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is the wonderful hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Danny Boy. Hi there. Yeah, get out of here, Daniel. I tried to, but you won't <laughs> let me leave. Somebody help me. Emotional damage. Keep him locked in my basement. <laughs> I only let him up to podcast and eat once a day. And half the time it's not to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of things in our basements, we're going to be talking about the first Resident Evil movie. <laughs> How does that make any sense? The, the hive in the basement. He's terrible at segways. I am terrible at segways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. Wow. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be talking about the first uh, Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Yep. We're diving into the Anderson universe. Dun, dun, dun. So, uh, who's going to start it off with this one? Mila Jovovich is. <laughs> Her husband, the director. Yes. <laughs> so, it is a 2002 horror film starring Mila Jovovich, Michelle Rodriguez, and Eric Babius. Which he's the one who plays Matt in that. It was written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. And it is the first film in a six- set of Resident Evil movies. It also holds a higher than average rating on IMDb, which is the highest rating in this series of 6.6 out of 10. It's probably because 6 was questionable. But anyways, (laughs) that's what I have on background for Resident Evil, the first Paul Anderson movie. I love Michelle Rodriguez. I absolutely love her. She's a fucking badass. You're going to love the Easter egg I have about her then. 
of her being a badass. Mm, kind of. <laughs> so what's next? Let's talk plot. Let's talk plot. Let's dive into the plot of this movie. I feel like you should have like a sound effect or like a noise that says whenever you say let's talk plot. I feel like then you can edit. <laughs> so the movie begins after a mysterious man throws a T-virus capsule on the ground. The virus liquidates from its crystalline form and turns into a gas spreading throughout the hive. To quarantine, the Red Queen seals the facility and kills everyone inside. It's kind of smart, though. On the outside, at the secret entrance to the hive in a mansion in the Arclay Mountains, on the outskirts of Raccoon City, a nerve gas was released. Alice, the head of security at the hive and the secret entrance, fell unconscious from the nerve gas and suffered from memory loss, including all of her memories of Umbrella. Good for her. Shortly after, an environmentalist, Matt Addison, gets into the mansion about the same time Umbrella's biohazard team breaks in. They quickly apprehend the two and move to the underground train leading to the hive. After restoring the train's power and moving toward the hive, JD opens the door to the next car where Spence Parks collapses and is introduced. Bum, bum, bum. Spencer's a dick. <laughs> Spoiler. Let me talk the plot. <laughs> and he suffered from the same nerve gas Alice was introduced to, so he had the whole memory loss thing going on too. The group quickly makes it to an experimental storage room where Matt, JD, and Rain stay. The rest of the group advances to the Queen's chamber. Kaplan shuts down the security systems so they can proceed. One, Olga, Twelve, and Alfonso Warner proceed through the hallway, where they are sealed by the Red Queen's security system. Alfonso was the first to see the laser, but as it came, it ripped Drew's fingers off and ended Olga's life as well by decapitating her. As the laser passed by a second time, Alfonso tried to dodge it promptly by jumping. The laser promptly killed him as well by slicing him in half. Finally, as the final laser came through, one died as the laser turned into an possible to dodge crid. Kaplan tries to deactivate it, but doesn't succeed until after everyone's dead. Shortly thereafter, Kaplan and Alice proceed to shut down Red Queen. And because of the shutdown, all electronic units, including the doors and seals trapping the infected people inside, are opened. I mean... The Red Queen did warn them. You're all going to die down here. <laughs> Daniel didn't lead with his part. <sighs> so as this happens, Rain and JD come across a zombie. Not knowing it was a zombie, it bites Rain's hand, infecting her. Rain and JD are quickly rattled by its persistence to move, even after several rounds of bullets were fired at it. Alice, Kaplan, and Spence return to Rain and the others afterwards. 
during this time, they are surrounded by zombies and the group uses most of its ammunition. JD is separated from Rain and is devoured by a horde of the infected zombies. Rain, Kaplan, and Spence return and barricade themselves in the Queen's chamber. Matt enters the offices searching for his sister Lisa, only to find that she has been infected. Alice saves Matt and kills Lisa. It is then, it's then that Matt explains why he's there. His sister Lisa had infiltrated the hive and had a contact there to steal the T-virus and expose Umbrella to the world. Lisa was supposed to use this contact to get the virus and exit the hive and give the virus to Matt so he could be the one to expose Umbrella. Alice and Matt return to the Queen's chamber. After being boxed in with no escape, Alice reactivates the Red Queen and keeps her on remote activation for insurance purposes. In doing so, they were able to blackmail the Queen for info on the virus and a way to escape. They exit through storage tunnels where they are attacked again. Rain is then infected for the third and fourth time since the first undead encounter. Kaplan is separated from the group sometime later. Alice, Matt, Spence, and Rain reach the surface afterward. Rain, by this time, has been infected on a massive level, and all of her senses are impaired, including lack of strength to walk. About that time, Alice remembers about the antivirus, the cure to the T-virus. They enter the experimental room to recover it, only to find it's missing. Spence then regains his memories, and it's revealed that he was the one who let the virus go free. He would then use the remaining capsules on the black market and make himself a rich man. When Alice refuses to go with him, he leaves the room holding everyone at gunpoint and seals the exit. As he returns to the train to surface, he is killed by one of the hive's early experiments with the T-virus called the liquor. Blip, blip, blip. Red Queen didn't tell them of its escape because she hadn't expected anyone to survive that long without becoming infected. And it was her backup plan. Because she's been a bad, bad girl. The liquor then finds them and tries to break in, while the Red Queen agrees to give them access to leave if they kill Rain. Even with the antivirus on the train, the T-virus had infected her on a massive level, and there was no guarantee that the antivirus would work. Kaplan then returns and shuts down the Red Queen, opening the door so they can escape as the liquor enters from the opposite entrance. They make it to the train and travel to the surface. Rain is given the antivirus, as well as Kaplan. But the liquor returns and kills Kaplan, and then infects Matt. The liquor turns and targets Alice, and she manages to secure its tongue into the ground with a pipe. While Matt goes to open the storage hatch, it's standing on. Rain, who has died and turned into a zombie, attacks Matt. 
and he kills her swiftly as she falls on the hatch mechanism and the liquor is caught on the tracks being ignited and left behind to burn. As Alice and Matt reach the surface, they are abducted by Umbrella scientists, and Matt is used in the Nemesis program, while Alice is used in a separate one. The remaining scientists reopen the sealed hive to find out what happened. When Alice awakens at the Raccoon City facility several hours later, the infection had spread throughout the city, and Alice finds and loads a shotgun ready for the next nightmare. <laughs> and that is the plot of the first Resident Evil movie. Plot. <laughs> that's, that's the second one. Ah, dang it. I can't wait till we get to that one. This is my favorite. So a lot happened in this one. Yeah, I, we're, we're going to go into discussion of the movie a little bit later, but I just want to say that I know that this doesn't go like strictly off of like Resident Evil video games, but I did enjoy these movies. Yeah, and I think you'll find as we get to it, the Easter eggs in these movies were far more in-depth than even the one that was supposed to be more like Resident Evil. The new Raccoon... Welcome to Raccoon City. There's far more in-depth Easter eggs in these than there ever was in that one. Well, and walking into these movies, we were we already knew that this wasn't mm-hmm. exact. This wasn't... This was a, you know... Reimagining. Reimagining of Resident Evil. So... They didn't lead us into a. This is a Resident Evil movie. Mm-hmm. Like Welcome to Raccoon City. I, again, I loved that about these movies. They were like, "Hey, this is just a reimagining of Resident Evil," and I went, "Okay, well, I'm not gonna get as hyped as I would for a Resident Evil movie, but I'm pretty s- stoked still, all the same, because it's still." Resident Evil. Listen, any movie Michelle Rodriguez is in is gold. Sorry. Best and Furious? I enjoyed her parts in it, yeah. <laughs> so you also enjoy the new Dungeons and Dragons coming out. <clears throat> sure. Anything she's in is gold. Uh, fight me. Fight me. So, Michelle Rodriguez, Leon, that's your cup of tea. Well, I'm not sexually attracted to her. <laughs> just saying she's a badass i mean okay right well with all that being said i think it's time for us to go to a mid-break and when we come back we'll go over characters bow's and some lovely little easter eggs well here we are in the middle of the show ariel what do we do in the middle of the show Make a really, really lame comment about how it's middly in here. Also, we talk about how uh, we love our patrons. <laughs> that sounds a lot better. <laughs> so, we want to give a special thank you to our VIP patrons. Cerberus, 91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Connor Losco, Donnie Shanks, Naked Mango, Pocket Comet, William Jackson. And then we have to, of course, thank our all-access patrons. Edward Parks, Jeremy Kelly, and Remington Cloutier. And our official patron, 
Ryan Black. A huge thank you. And I believe this makes three months for some people, which means a new t-shirt's coming. <laughs> I love your weird voice. Like, oh, I'm official now. I'm official now. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm a narrator. You're something. <laughs> but anyways, yes, thank you, patrons. We greatly appreciate you. And we greatly appreciate you listeners. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. I know. It would be sad. We would just be talking into mics like weirdos. That, I mean, we so, are. No so. different from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least people like it when we do it now. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, at any rate, yes, a huge thank you to all our fans. And our patrons and our listeners and our 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 family, thank you all. You're all wonderful. So, with that being said, Danny boy, what do you have for us? Nothing. Okay, Ariel, what do you have for us? Nothing. <laughs> I answered for her. <laughs> Don't you answer for her? You do it all the time. Hashtag burn. It's my turn. <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> Anyways. If you're still looking for clothing, I'm trying to think of something. If you're funny. still looking for clothing, that was just funny enough on its own. Yeah. If you're naked in the streets and looking for clothes, yes. I mean, I am looking for clothes because I did lose a lot of weight. You so. did. I'm proud of you. Awesome. High five. High five. New clothes. For on me. air. High five. And if you have time to wait on these clothes, then you can go to T Public, and there is a shirt made by someone known as. Looks like T-Virus 01001, spelled T-V-R-S 01001. They make a shirt that has all your memorable, a lot of your memorable Resident Evil quotes on it. Like it has Itchy Tasty, it has Jill Sandwich. <laughs> House has Make Him Pay. There's tons of quotes on it. I looked at that shirt earlier today. I was going to bring it to the mid-break. I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah, because I did it. <laughs> That's why you're so glad. It looks like it ranges anywhere from right now $14 to $16, depending on the price. But it is normally $22 to $25, depending on the size. I don't know why I said depending on the price, but we're going to keep that. <laughs> Not for sure if shipping is included in there. It comes in multiple different colors and sizes. But if you get it, definitely take pictures. Show us in the Resident Evil Lorecast channel robots radio that's what i have i want it (laughs) oh i think the next thing is what you really want and you have it but anyway it's uh we'll get to it when it's my turn to talk (laughs) but anyway what did you bring for the mid-break ariel well i read an article much like i always do And this comes from True Achievements. And the article is... Capcom announces pricey Resident Evil-themed drinks to celebrate franchise anniversary. Oh, no. I want it, like, (laughs) now. Except it's a pre-order, but I want it now. So, Capcom has announced that it's partnered with Game Flavor to launch limited edition cocktail-making kit in the form of the Resident Evil First Aid Drink Collector's Box, modeled on the series' iconic first aid items. 
It's fucking cool. I fucking want it. <laughs> and so, you know, Capcom launches the RE4 remake in March, and you could enjoy playing it while sipping on an official cocktail or mocktail, thanks to a partnership with Game Flavor. The Resident Evil First Aid Drink Collector's Box is priced at a not-so-refreshing 200 euro. Yeah, it's 216 US dollars. Yeah, and it's limited to less than 5,000 units and comes packed with gear based on some of the series' most iconic items. Styled on the save room storage crate from the game, the Collector's Box packs in 10 330 milliliter first aid spray cans to make cucumber and lime mint flavored cocktails. Four ink ribbon cans filled with various spice mixes for the drinks. Cocktail recipes and a certificate of authenticity. The bundle also includes a spray cap for the first aid cans so you can display them after use. The bundle can be pre-ordered now from the Game Flavor website for 199 euros, and the company is expecting to ship the item sometime in quarter three of 2023. So, I'll have the link for this in the show notes, and in this article, you can get to the Game Flavor website to pre-order this. So, if you want to, this looks super fucking cool and I really want it like super fucking bad so yeah that's all I have for today well my item doesn't seem as cool as yours now (laughs) get drunk get drunk well uh I brought a quilt from uh brightroomy.com and it is none other than a quilt that you have Ariel which is all of the games on one. Yep. All the covers on one. Yep. Uh, we, we, we've got all the way from zero to two remake. Three remake is the only one that's not on here. But it's awesome. Yeah, it is a really awesome quilt. <laughs> so you can get this uh, in a couple different ways. You can get it as a quilt or a quilt bedding set three piece. Uh, the price does vary, but... The price varies currently from forty nine forty five, all the way up to one hundred nineteen forty five for the three piece Super King set, and it's it's really cool. It's durable. It's nice. You've had it for a while now. I want to say a few years. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, and it's just now started to fray in areas. Yeah, well, that's all I've brought for today. I will say, listeners, it is a really awesome quilt and definitely worth having. Because it's so fucking cool. So, I guess that ends for the mid-break. It does, except for... My endless ramblings of our sponsors. So... If you need dice, a dice tray, dice tower, dice bag, all the dice accessories, head on over to Fanroll Dice. Use our promo code, 
Almighty C, which is A-L-L, Mighty, and the letter C, 10, and save yourself 10% off of your purchase. And they have all sorts of different dice, and they're all so beautiful. They've got metal, they've got resin, wooden, rubber, gemstone. Their gemstone dice is super pretty. All at a very reasonable price. And on top of that, you can save 10% off of that reasonable price. And if there's any in-store sales going on, our promo code does stack on top of those in-store sales. So, yeah. Save yourself money by getting a beautiful die set. I currently have two sets of their dice. And I love them so much. Well, anyway... That is really what we have for the middle of the show. And now it's time to get to the end where we're going to talk about B.O.W.'s characters and Easter eggs. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. (laughs) It's awful ending in here. No, get out of here. Anyway, Daniel, what do you have for B.O.W.'s? Nothing. Okay. Ariel, what do you have for... No, it's my turn again. So before Daniel goes into the really huge, expansive list of B.O.W.'s insert sarcastic voice here, um, all I'm going to what we're going to do is just list the characters in the B.O.W.'s off. The next episode is when we're going to go a little more in depth with them. So just letting you all know. Go ahead, Danny boy. I lost my train of thought. That wasn't a very long train, then. I know, it was a very short train. It was only two cars long. <laughs> Speaking of two cars, let me go back and add a caboose to this train car. There's actually three BOWs. <laughs> I didn't have a caboose on there, sorry. I was going to have the tail end. <laughs> so we have our illustrious zombies that inspire us to make sure they're dead. <laughs> We have the Cerberus dogs, which always look awesome. Yeah. Generally, unless they're from Resident Evil 5 and 4, and they look weird. They're not Cerberus. And then we also have our friend the Licker, which is not as fun as it sounds. I'm gonna lick you. That is the three B.O.W.'s that have arrived on the train. Choo-choo. Well, moving on from B.O.W.'s and trains, we got for characters. So I'm, I have a list here that's in order of appearance. Now, what I'm going to say before I go into this list, I'm not going to go over all of these characters. I'm going to go over the characters like next episode. I'm going to go into the characters that were actually, you know, prevalent. But I, this one, I'm just going to list off characters in order of appearance. So we have. I found this hilarious. Mr. Gray, Mr. Red, Ms. Black, Dr. Green, Dr. Blue, Dr. Brown. Got all these colors going on here. Lisa, Clarence, Mr. White, Ms. Gold, Alice, Matt, One, Kaplan, JD, Rain, Olga. Commando 1, Commando 2, Spence, Red Queen, and Unnamed Doctor. 
Really, they could have named him. I mean, they had like they they didn't run out of colors yet. They could have picked a <laughs> color for him, but yeah. So that is the list of characters. Now I'm clearly not gonna go over every single one of these next episode. Just the ones that are prevalent. Well, I mean, I guess that leaves me with a ridiculous amount of time to do Easter eggs, which is great because I have tons of those. Well, dive right in. So we're going to do this a little differently. Um, Instead of just Easter eggs, we're going to do did you know facts uh, slash Easter eggs. And then at the end of the Paul movies, we're going to do an all encompassing Easter egg kind of little end of the episode deal. Because there's a lot of Easter eggs you wouldn't catch until you've seen all of the series. Because some of the Easter eggs are, you know, multiple span multiple movies. But at any rate, <clears throat> the first Easter egg we have is, did you know that Lucius Malfoy was the narrator for the beginning and ending of the first movie? Jason Isaacs? Yup. Ooh. <laughs> Weird. I didn't know that, actually. So, second Easter egg we have here is uh, the opening shot where we kind of zoom in to see the inside of the Umbrella Corporation is actually all created on the very first day of filming. According to Paul Anderson, it was his way of pulling the viewers out of their worlds and into the world of Resident Evil. That's why he created it. And it was shot and created on the very same day. Huh. So he was like, you know what? We're going to do this. Everybody's like, we were not ready for this. But yeah, same day. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the third Easter egg, which I'm sure most of you caught, uh, the Umbrella Corporation employee is actually the sister to one of our characters. But here's the Easter egg itself. It's actually the sister to the franchise producer, Jeremy Bolt. Lots of sisters going on here. I know. So she um, she was cast as the sister to our Maddie boy. And then was recast again as an undead zombie for the whole recollection scene. But yeah, Jeremy Bolt. We're going to talk about him a few times in these Easter eggs because him and some of his family members are playing a couple parts in this movie. Stars. Stars. <clears throat> so the elevator scene, according to Jeremy Bolt. Oh, look at that. He's already back up. The scene was born out of Anderson's real life fear of elevators. As a kid, he was in an elevator that crashed. Now he won't even use them, but loves putting them in movies. I mean, if I'm being honest here, if I was in an elevator that crashed, I would never set foot in one again. Uh, no, I don't blame him. <laughs> so while we're on the topic of elevators, the elevator scene at the very beginning of the movie, which was absolutely horrifying, you might be uh, happy to know it was actually a hydraulically rigged system to resemble an elevator. Oh, so she really didn't lose her head? Oh my gosh. They didn't really use an elevator. (laughs) One, budget constraints wouldn't allow it because they would have had to rig up the elevator with so many different safety features it would have been ridiculous. Uh, But two, the the system, a hydraulic system, 
was able to move up and down only six feet each direction. The flooring around the elevator was made out of a light wood, so it would easily break away if any force was applied, ensuring the actress, when her head was struck between the doors, was absolutely safe. So again, they took the cheap way out and just relied solely on the ability to decorate. Well, and safety. So that well, yeah, get hurt. Yeah. Kudos to that actress, because well, no. You couldn't pay me enough money to... Nope. So, here's our little did you know Easter egg number six. The flashback scenes. So, have you, did you ever notice in the flashback scenes they were slightly different in coloration and appearance? No. Yeah. That is because Anderson used a computer to grade the colors according to the way grading made them look in older films compared to the rest of the movie. So he aged those purposely and made them that way for aesthetics. Because it happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. So the next one is number seven. A truly horrifying location. The mansion. So uh, the mansion was actually a former Nazi's barrack in Germany. The cast and crew found out while they were there that it had once housed Hitler's top regiments during World War II. And the upstairs of the structure, which had padded cells with a one-way mirror, were used for interrogations. Michelle Rodriguez was quick to note that she found the entire building to be creepy AF and didn't like wandering it alone. <laughs> I do not blame you. Yep. That is a terrifying thing in all aspects. Yep. So the next one is the birds. Number eight. Uh, the murder of crows that Alice saw flying away. 100% CGI. 100%. No real birds at all. Damn. <laughs> that was some pretty good CGI because I honestly thought they had like a ton of trained birds. But again, cost cuts. Number nine. Did you know the cast and crew was drunk on set? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's kind of fucking awesome. So during an interview with um, Mila, she was quoted in stating that during the scene where she meets the commandos and goes into the hive, the cast was actually extremely intoxicated because it was somebody's birthday that day and they had already drank several bottles of wine. That's some pretty good acting, though. This is a great acting. Paul was apparently freaking out because it was their last day on shoot. And he did not want anything to go wrong and delay the movie. You couldn't. Honestly, you can't really tell. So No, not at all. They did an exceptional job. That's fucking hilarious, though. <laughs> so, number 10, Michelle Rodriguez. 100% a legit Resident Evil fan. Okay, I love her even more now. <laughs> Uh, so, according to her, 
She loves to play video games and is very partial to the Resident Evil series. In fact, long before Anderson even started working on the film, she told her agents that if the video game series were ever to turn into a movie, she is going to be involved. That's awesome. (laughs) Hardcore fan right there. So, the next one. Our Easter egg is none other than Alexi 5000. The train. So, according to Anderson, the Alexi 5000 train interior was actually designed to resemble the Galaxy 5000 in the Resident Evil 2 video game. In addition to that, it is called the Alexi as a note to... That's right. It gives nod to Alexia Ashford, which is one of those lovely little Easter eggs that nobody really caught. Well, hardcore fans caught, but everybody else just kind of slipped by. So, uh, number 12. The automated doors throughout the building are not automated. They looked super high tech, but according to none other than our super fangirl, Rodriguez, it was actually just two guys standing on either side of the doors pulling strings. Yeah. Again, budget costs to make it cheap, but effective. <laughs> uh, we're going to get to another door that was really cost cut, really cost cut. Um, so number 13, uh, the cavernous room isn't actually that big. So uh, a lot of people were quoted on saying that the cavernous room that is full of all those containers is actually only about 12 of those boxes and they simply move them around the room in each shot to give it a different appearance. It's actually no different than the size of like a normal living room. Huh. Yeah, they just move the boxes around between cuts to make it look bigger. (laughs) Cost cut! (laughs) So... A very different version of our Red Queen was actually supposed to be in this movie. The original Red Queen was actually supposed to sound extremely different. She was actually supposed to be American. And uh, she some of her phrasing in the original American cuts uh, was sexually insinuating. Mm-hmm. The reason they cut it. They made her younger into a child and gave her a British voice over instead because everyone decided it would be better not having it come from a child that they had some sort of sexually insinuating tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they made her younger and gave her a British voice because the original one was supposed to be like teenager years. Still not okay. No, still not okay. I'm glad you made that choice. <clears throat> Apparently, Paul had actually talked this over with Mila, and Mila was like, yeah, we're not, no, that's not happening. <laughs> He's like, I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. No go, no go. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Weird fact. So, number 15. Producer cameo. Uh, here's our boy Bolt again. Uh, the zombie who you see get shot up that's wearing the weird, like, tuxedo tie thing. That's actually their producer, Bolt. He appears this one time and only this time. So you can clearly see his face. 
I'm just saying, if I was ever like a producer of a horror movie, zombies specifically, because I love zombies, I would want to be a zombie in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets in on the action because the next Easter egg is the stunt coordinator for uh, Mila actually was the zombie security guard that she kicked his face in in the Cerberus scene. Oh, hey, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> He said he really wanted to uh, be in the movie and they made him a, uh, well, he wanted to be like an extra. So they actually made him the zombie that she fights because they knew that that scene is going to be one of the most impactful action scenes in this, in this movie. And he actually had a line. No, when he, the dogs were going off. Remember when they first started, when the virus first got in there and he walks up to the cages. Oh yeah. He had a line. (laughs) I forgot how about many, how that. many extras get lines all the time. <laughs> so while we're on the talk of the dog scene, uh, according to Mila, the most training she did for the film was actually put into this scene. I wonder why it was the most intense, physically demanding scene. Um, she in the scene fights off the Dobermans or the Cerberus, and she actually has to physically jump off the wall. There's no pulleys. There's no nothing. She's actually jumping off the wall in this scene. She had to train for three months to get this down perfectly. I'd do it because then you can be like, I actually did that. I jumped off a fucking wall. (laughs) Like a badass. Now, I say that she had to do this unassisted. She did have a wire for safety purposes. But she had to actually walk, run up the wall, jump, and do the kick on her own. That's kind of badass. <laughs> she had the wire for safety purposes, though. From all the research that I did and found, that was it was all kind of like safety. I'm sure there was a little bit of gravity defying in that wire. It wasn't 100% her, but still badass. I mean, three months worth of training just to do a wall jump kick. I'd do it. it was, yeah. So the next thing. The paperweight. You ever wondered why the camera focused a little weirdly on the paperweight scene? It's because the paperweight is actually, according to Bolt, an Alice in Wonderland paperweight. Which is a reference to Alice herself included in the film. There is actually a few other references to Alice in Wonderland to include the way Alice looks herself. The blonde hair, the eyes, the kind of lost in a haze appearance in the first part of the movie. It's all references to Alice in Wonderland. Except they try to make her look like Ada with the red dress. (laughs) So, uh, we were talking about the mirror room earlier. And... It actually came about because of a 1999 art film, Goya in, I can't never pronounce this, Goya in Bordeaux, which features a scene uh, set in a corridor that was covered in what looked like black plastic bags, but it made it reflective. Because of the bags, it made it reflective. He wanted to expand on that day idea and create a multi-layered glass hallway to kind of simulate that same appearance. Huh. 
So, number 20. Uh, during a particular fight scene, uh, Jovovich accidentally punched Bolt in the face, who is standing in for blocking aid. <laughs> um, uh, Jovovich, another interesting fact, actually did all her own stunts in the first Resident Evil movie. The only thing she didn't do because she couldn't do because the studio wouldn't allow it is the pipe clinging and collapsing. Yeah, they decided that she couldn't do it because the jumping distance from the pipe to where they wanted her to was too risky because the fall was too high. Just put a mattress underneath it. Yeah, fine. Yeah, do, it, do it like we used to do when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> so the liquor. This is a nice little Easter egg. According to Bolt and Anderson, the seams where the liquor was actually filmed, they used camera angles specifically pulled right out of the video game to make gamers right at home watching these scenes. Another interesting fact about our liquor friend is he was pretty much a flashlight the entire time. When the actors had to interact with the liquor or anything like that, it actually was a beam of flashlight that they said to look at. Only one person actually filmed with a puppet, which was Michelle Rodriguez. High purposeful. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there was an accident on set with Mila, we talked about earlier, but there was another one where she accidentally hit somebody else. Uh, when her character is supposed to be killing off zombie Spence. She actually hit actor James Purefoy with the plastic axe that she was wielding and uh, his response not so kind. Apparently he screamed at her. He was not happy about getting by that axe. I got screamed at by somebody because I accidentally hit them with an axe. I'd hit him again. <laughs> you screaming at me, bitch. Bam. It's a plastic axe. Get over it. So, uh, remember when I told you about the uh, cost cuts and doors? Well, the massive door at the end of the movie, when they finally escaped the hive, you notice how we didn't get to see the door shut? That's because they said creating a door that large was too expensive, so it didn't actually exist. Instead, what they did was use cardboard and made the shadow effect of it shutting. It's true, <laughs> we didn't see any door there. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's because it was too expensive to make. Whatever works. Uh, so the last Easter egg we have for this movie, or little bonus info here, is the Raccoon City scene at the end of the movie is actually filmed in the streets of Toronto, Canada. I was really hoping you were going to say was actually filmed in the streets of Raccoon City. <laughs> Uh, much to our dismay, the Brecken City does not actually exist. It does. Somewhere. No, it doesn't exist. You know why? Because I bet it actually happened. I bet they wiped that place off the face of the earth and we didn't know. Boo. Boo. <laughs> well, that's all the Easter eggs and uh, fun little facts I have for you today. So, that's it for me. Huh. I wonder, I wonder if they asked Michelle Rodriguez to just make a cameo in Welcome to Raccoon City. And she said no. She was <laughs> like, I ain't about that life. <laughs> because, remember, you said she told her agent, Resident Evil, 
I want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't know. Like, maybe the agent didn't know because it was called Welcome to Raccoon City. And didn't know the tags. <laughs> like, look for Raccoon City. Well, they... What I like to think is that she did reach out to be in it, but she took one look at the script and was like, fuck you, I'm out. Bounced. Turns, turns out she's a zombie in the Chris Redfield firefight. <laughs> Do you think she would have made a good Jill Valentine? No, I don't think she would have been Jill's part. As much as I love her as an actress, she doesn't look like Jill to me. <sighs> she could have just been another person in there, or a zombie. Would yeah, I mean, still they, been... they, they created her own character in this, so Rain, so they could have just created a... It's, it's Rain again. <laughs> it's Rain yes, all over again. Yes. There's clones of Rain. Shh, spoiler. I mean, they're... Spoiler. Okay, Shh. all right. Nope. Spoiler. <laughs> We're not there yet. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Anyway, so that's all the time we have for today's episode. I hope you learned something new. I definitely did. Like, doors are expensive. <laughs> How did you not know doors are expensive? That's why we use cardboard for all the doors. That's why we use cardboard for all the doors. Don't come to the studio with a fumbling four. We don't have doors. We just have cardboard. We have enough cardboard to make a door. <laughs> like, for this giant opening we have. <laughs> Well, I guess that's it. So thank you all for listening. And then tune in next week. Bye there. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RELurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.